This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. It's been a uh, trying couple weeks, hasn't it? <laughs> we, man, but God is good. He's good. He's good all the time. Amen. Aren't you thankful that we serve a good God? Amen. I want to pray with you real quick and ask you to pray with me that the Lord help me deliver this message the way that I need to today. I want to thank anybody that's with us for the first time today. We're so grateful that you're here. Um, uh, just just uh, blessed that you chose to be with us to worship today. But I want to pray real quick and ask that the Lord help this message and that it not just be words out of my mouth, but be words spoken from the Holy Spirit directly to you and to me so that we can better um, look like Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me, Lord? God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this worship. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we've had to just to be inside the building, Lord. It's been a difficult couple weeks where we've not been able to be inside due to other things out of our control. And Lord, I'm just so thankful and blessed to be here in the house of God with friends, Lord. And I, I just praise you every day for the opportunity that I have to share the word. But God, I don't want this to be just merely a speech. God, I don't want these words out of my mouth to just fall. But Lord, I want them to be spoken from heaven so that it may transform us to look like you. Jesus, I don't want people to hear me. I want them to hear you speaking through your servant today. So God, I pray that you do with me what you did with Moses. God, be my mouth as I speak. Lord, open up our ears to hear. Open up our minds to know and our eyes to see the truth of your word today. And it's in your name I pray. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Again, thank you for being here today. Man, we've had snow and ice and man, we've had more. I was uh, seeing somewhere, I can't remember now where I said it, so I might just be making it up, but I thought I heard that we've not had this type of temperatures and snow together in almost 100 years. Um, been absolutely crazy. Um, and I pray that everybody's home is okay, that there's no issues at our at, at homes we we didn't have any issues here on this campus all of our buildings are good we had a scare over at the parsonage but we think that everything is good there as well we did have a a pipe burst at our yukon campus and uh it caused some um, damage there so we're having to call insurance and get them in to check things out so continue to be praying about that but uh cold temps there's some things you just can't help and some things are just going to happen. So just continue to pray about that. But it, we're in a series right now. And we've been kind of in this series even when we've not been in the building. I know two weeks ago we did service on Zoom. And then last week we did a live stream service um, here. But we're in this series called Guarding the Gates. And in, for the last, I don't know, four or five weeks, we've been talking about guarding the heart and guarding the mind. And so today we're going to move away from, from the mind and start talking about the mouth and the tongue and how critical to guard that gate is because we have the ability to speak life and speak death out of our tongue. And so we have to be careful how we use that. Did you know that there's 800,000 words in the English language? 
Now, how many knows 800,000 words, right? Not me, okay? There's 800,000 words in the language, but 300,000 of those are used in medical fields that I couldn't even begin to pronounce or understand what they even mean, okay? So there's 500,000 words left to which I can use in my everyday life. But of course, nobody in here has a vocab of a half a million, million words. In fact, the average person only knows about 10,000. And they only use about half of that in their everyday talk. So when you really boil it down from, from this beginning, 800,000 words that are in our language, only about 5,000 of those can we really truly use to dictate how we feel and ideas and emotions, events, desires, all that be. Yet as you're about to see, even as limited vocab as we have, those words carry enormous weight and power. That's why we have to guard it. The power to heal, the power to wound, the power to encourage, the power to dishearten, the power to speak truth and praise, the power to hurt. That's why it's so important that we guard our heart and mind because what comes out of or what is in your heart and goes into your mind eventually comes out your mouth. So we have to guard our heart and mind to make sure that our words line up with the truth of his word. So I'm convinced though, in thinking about this and looking over notes and, and, and doing all of my research, I'm convinced that we don't think much about the words we use. And that's why I'm so passionate about this message. I'm passionate about it because I, I, I used to struggle with this in the most awful way. And I, I really, the Lord revealed things in my heart, the word that the Lord revealed things in my spirit, some amazing things, maybe even neglected truths that I had that, that can, that help transform my life. So I want to take you on this trip, but, but to be honest, sometimes that trip isn't always fun. Sometimes we talk about things that we don't want to talk about, or we hear things we don't want to hear. But the truth of the matter, the truth of the matter is this Bible is alive and active and everything in it is true. So we have to speak it that way, right? Amen. So we have to be careful how we use our mouth. Woodrow Wilson once said, when you have read the Bible, you know it is the word of God because you have found it to be the key to your own heart, your own happiness, and your own joy. And I've let, as, 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 as I said just, just a minute ago, I've let many more times than I'd like to admit my mouth get the best of me. Earlier in my life, my mouth was like a loaded gun, just ready to aim and shoot. I, I didn't like that about myself, but for, but for some reason I can't explain, I kept doing it. My mouth caused me to lose a couple jobs. My mouth was taking my life into a, was, was making it into this wasteland. And, and I had a day though, after I lost job number two, where I realized that I didn't need Satan to come and work to hurt me, that me and my big mouth were doing a good enough job just by ourselves. Amen. And so I realized that something's got to change. Something's got to give. There's something in the heart that's not right because out of the abundance of the heart, the word says the mouth speaks. So even though if you ever heard somebody say, well, that slipped. Well, I didn't mean to say that, right? Well, usually they really did mean to say that. They just didn't want to say that because it's rooted inside their heart. That's why everything is a matter of the heart. And we have to guard our hearts so that our words line up with the truth of Christ. So I want to talk about a couple of these things and, and I want to share some of these truths that I learned with you and, 
And, and now does that mean that I always do a good job? No, there's times where, where I, I am more aware of my words and how much weight that they carry. But I want to talk for a minute on how words can build bridges. Words can build bridges with people. It was built in 1998 at a cost of about $3.6 billion. The longest of its kind in the world, the Pearl Bridge, which connects Japan's main island, Honshu, to another island, its length of 6,470 feet, 2,300 feet longer than the Golden Gate Bridge. It was a marvel to look at. It's also a powerful connector between two different islands to help with the trade and travel. But perhaps the greatest connector, though, uh, was built nearly 100 years before that, prior to the completion of the Panama Canal, we, we have, um, which goes from New York to San Fran. It was a journey of about 13,000 miles around Cape Horn. Well, the canal lopped off this amazing 8,100 miles off the journey to make the travel and business a lot easier. Why do I share that? Because words do the same thing as a bridge. They connect us to each other or the opposite depending on what type of words that we use. Words have the capacity to build bridges and shorten long distances between people. They can also cause the connection between you, a spouse, a friend, a child to become distant depending on what words we say and how we say them. Because remember, it's not all about what you say, but sometimes it's about how you say it. But words don't only connect you to people, but let me tell you, they also bridge your connection to God. Words connect you to God. Look at creation. Words were the avenue in which everything you see was created. When God wanted something, what did he do? He spoke it into existence. In the opening lines of the Bible, we read, Then God said... Let there be light, and there was light. Over and over in the first three chapters of the Bible, we, we see that God spoke it, and it appeared. God didn't just wave his magic hand or bang a golden rod on, onto the ground. The first 25 um, passages of his word, he spoke, and something happened. That's the power of words. And then you go into um, uh, to, um, verse number 26. I have it up here on the screen. And then God said again, he said, let us make mankind in our image. Talking about the holy um, 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 a trinity. Let them have dominion over the flesh and the sea, over the birds and the air and over, over the cattle and all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. What's that mean? We were created in the likeness of God. Why is that important? Because God has the creative mind and the ability to create everything he sees with his words. And since we're made in his likeness, guess what? We do too. He bestowed some of that power upon us. Now, of course, I'm not saying that we can walk outside and say snow be gone and it's just gone, right? But I'm saying that we have power in the words that we speak. The Bible says the power to build up or the power to tear down. We have to use that power correctly. My point is from, as from the very beginning, God breathed into mankind his own breath. And there is a spark of who he is inside of us. 
We have in um, chapter 2, we, we, we even get more detail about who we are. It says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being or in another text, a living soul. And if you examine the Hebrew word, root word here, it means living being, means talking spirit. So literally, when the Lord created us out of the dust of the ground, what he created was a talking spirit. Somebody that uses his words to get around in life. That's why it's our mouth is so important. There is something creative. There's something powerful with our words. That's why it's so important that we learn to control the tongue and tame the tongue. It's a loaded weapon that can carry the very power to bring life or death over someone or something. Do you know that I've heard of people, and it's crazy to even think about it, but I've heard of people that have literally talked themselves into being sick. That's how much power your mind and your words carry. So that's why we can't speak death over ourselves. We can't speak the worst case over ourselves, but rather what we should be doing is speaking life. We have in Psalm chapter 100, it talks about how we can connect to God through our words. And the first thing I want to mention is we can connect to God through our praise. Psalm 100 gives us a clear picture of how we should come into the presence of God watch what it says shout for the Lord shout using your mouth shout for joy all the earth worship the Lord with gladness come before him with joyful songs we have to use our words know that the Lord is God it is he who made us and we are his we are his people the sheep of his pasture enter his gates with what thanksgiving and into his courts with how do we do that? With our words. That's how we connect to God. We connect to him through our praise. By doing what? By giving thanks to him and praising his name. Why? For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Amen. His faithfulness continues through all generations. That's how we connect to God. Honoring him with our words, with our praise. Because the reason... Satan doesn't want you to be um, a vocal in your praise is because he knows firsthand that those kinds of words connect you to God and his power. The simple truth is that the only people who experience the full glory of God, the joy of the Lord, the peace that only he can give is when we express with our mouth how much we praise and honor him. That's why we use our words, you, you might be dealing with something right now. I don't know what you've gone through this week. I told you a couple weeks ago that I've had to change my perspective through all of this COVID mess of I'm just making it. People would ask, hey, pastor, how are you making it? Well, how are you doing today making it? And I think a lot of us have felt that I'm just making it. Going day by day, getting through it when I can. But really, our perspective should be, Pastor, how are you doing today? It'll all be worth it. It will all be worth it. Because when the day that the Lord comes and brings me home, it's all going to be worth it. And I'm going to look at this present 
you know, you know, time that we're in now is just a small problem in the eyes of God because when we get to heaven, all tears are wiped away. All sickness is wiped away. All death is wiped away. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. So church, can I tell you that one day it's not just I'm going to make it. It's it will all be worth it. Amen. So you might be dealing with something in your mind. Praise God anyway. Praise him in advance for that healing that you know is coming. Why? Because your mouth carries that power. But if we allow things in our heart and mind that don't belong, then our words will manifest that. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The tongue tends to repeat what is rooted in your heart and in your mind. And Satan will do everything he can to keep you from praising. He wants to discourage you from praise. He, God, God wants you to be encouraged. What's the difference? To encourage means to put courage in something. To discourage means to take it out. So the Lord wants to encourage you, wants to give you courage that says what you are trying to go through today is just a small blip on the radar that my glory and my power is coming and that you will look back on this and say, thank God that I made it because it's all been worth it. Satan wants you to be a grumbler. Wants you to be a complainer. God wants you to be a praiser. Let me tell you what it says in Psalm. It says praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding symbols let everything that has breath what praise the lord how do we do that with our words how else can we honor god through our praise how about through your prayer any simple, sincere prayer offered from your heart is pleasing to God. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus gives a point by relating the parable of a woman praying day and night. And after sharing the parable, Jesus drives his point. Shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Shouldn't that be a message to his children, to his people, that if we get down on our knees and cry out to Abba God, then he will take care of us. The idea of praying always is found throughout the entire word of God. It says to pray in the spirit always. Another passage says pray without ceasing. Why do you think God wants us to pray day and night? Because he knows it keeps us connected. And I'm not talking about maintaining your position of saved. He's, he's good to you even when we're not good to him. He's good to you regardless. It's not about maintaining a position. It's about having your connection clear. To where not only can you speak to God, but sometimes you can allow him to speak to you. You see, isn't it kind of just coincidence? And I don't really believe in coincidence much. That the, that the enemy uses these same words to try to trick us? Remember back in the garden, you have Adam and Eve were asked the question by the snake, did God really say? 
Isn't it ironic that the same words that God created to be helpful, that the enemy tries to use those same words to trick us? The thing to remember through all this at all times, God bridges gaps with his words and we can connect to him the same way. So yes, words carry power. They can connect us to God, but they can connect us to people. What we say can determine the quality of relationships that we have. That's why Max Dupree once said, there may be no single thing more important in our efforts to achieve meaningful work and fulfilling relationships than to learn to practice the art of communication. Words are how we stay connected with each other. And nowhere is Proverbs chapter 18 more true than in this instance. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a good wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Well, verse 22 there seems a little different than, uh, than, um, uh, than, uh, than um, verse 20 and 21. Why is it like that? I'd like to explain. To paraphrase this passage, the quality of life you are living depends on what you have been saying. In other words, your success or lack thereof depends on your mouth. If you only talked bad about yourself, you eat the fruit of your lips. I know people who resent life, who have strife and broken relationships. What they don't realize is that they are eating the fruit of their own lips. On the other side, the ones that have peace, happiness, joy, are in relationships that are healthy is a byproduct of their mouth producing those things because you can speak things into existence. I think it's significant. That the verse that comes next talks about marriages. Why are these verses next to each other? I would like to help you because I believe that your marriage will never be better than what comes out of your mouth. It will never be better than what you build it up to be with your words. Put another way, if you want a great marriage, you must make it with your mouth. Lift up your spouse. Don't downgrade them. They are worth more than that. If you want great kids, don't downgrade your kids. Speak life into your children. Far too many people spend too much time tearing each other down than they do building each other up. In a most recent research done, by Catholic University and Howard Markman of the University of Denver, it was found that couples that stayed together, watch this, only five out of every 100 comments were actually put-downs. For the ones that ended up in a divorce, 10 out of every 100 comments, it doubled. The gap magnified over the next decade until couples heading downhill were throwing out five times as many insults at each other. In a book that these guys wrote, here's what it says. Hostile put-downs act as cancerous cells that if unchecked, erode the relationship over time and in the end, relentless, unremitting negativity takes control and the couples can't go through a week without a major blow-up. Your marriage will be great and will be prosperous 
and will be awesome if you bless it with your words. It's a sobering thought that the single most reliable predictor on if a marriage was to succeed was not how much they had in common or an economic background or even how much public displays of love that they had, but rather the number one indicator on if the marriage was to succeed was based on the words that they used. Stop speaking negative things over your home. Stop speaking it over your marriage or over your job because ultimately when you do, you will eat the fruit of your lips. If you want to live the blessed life that the Lord has promised us, then we must speak life into everything that we have. What's the Bible say? Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through what? The word. Amen. Stop speaking death over your money. Stop speaking death over your home, your relationship, your children, and start allowing our mouths to line up with the word of God. Your words will be used to build bridges or in retro, it can blow them up. How do we use them? So it brings this question, number two, that I want to speak of, not just building bridges, but I've had somebody ask, are my words free? Are my words free? Let me ask, let me share this quote by um, Dorothy Neville. The real art of conversation is not only to say the things, sorry, the real art of conversation is not only to say the right thing in the right place, but to leave unsaid the wrong thing at the tempting moment. Is it okay if I read that again? The real art of conversation is not only to say the right thing in the right place, but to leave unsaid the wrong thing at the tempting moment. And let me be a bad guy right now, okay? Because a lot of Americans don't want to hear this. But you don't have the right to say whatever you want. We have it written that there is a freedom of speech. Say what you want to say. And I'm proud to be an American. I am more than anybody you will ever meet. And yes, we have amendments that tell us that we can speak. But let me say this. Just because you have a right to say it doesn't make it right. A hundred thousand years from now, when America is gone, heaven will still be alive. I live by, a, by another set of laws. I live by another set of rules. Yes, we're subject to the laws of this nation, but we're also subject to the laws of heaven. And I'm going to be held accountable for every word that I say. And let me add, I'll be held accountable for every word that I type. Just because we have a right to say it doesn't mean that we should. When, when we realize that fact, then we understand Psalms when it says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Why do you think he said that? Because, number one, words cost. Words are not free. They cost. They can cost you relationships. They can cost you a reputation. Words can cost you your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I mean, if you think about it, if my words don't reflect Christ in me, then I'm being a hypocrite. You think it's okay to tell nasty jokes? Watch what the word says. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. It's important to remember that anytime you feel the need to begin a conversation with, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but 
It's probably the Holy Spirit nudging you saying, don't say it. But what do we do? And I'm guilty, number one. I ignore it, and I say it anyway. And it gets me in trouble more times than I'd like to admit. Sometimes we should listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And when we don't think we should say it, we probably shouldn't. Words can cost you trust. Has anybody ever lied to you or caught this other person in a lie and that trust was broken? Have you ever lied to somebody and lost the trust? What's the Bible say in Psalm chapter 10? His mouth is full of lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. What's it say in Psalm? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Let me tell you something. Words can cost you relationships. The tongue is the hardest part of your body to tame. And if you're not careful, you end up saying something you can't take back. Too many times we don't think before we speak. You know, we'll touch on... The, what I call death words next week. I'm not going to get into it today, but let me just throw this in here. Your words carry great weight. Some people, when words are used wrong against them, and I'm number one, I can tell you what's happened to me, that hurt is carried for years and years. And it's hard to overcome as many times as I've wanted to overcome it. But let me tell you something. There's a, power, there's a powerful thing in the word of God called forgiveness. Amen, amen, amen. And when you forgive, when you forgive, it's like that burden is lifted off of you. Words that come out of your mouths are a direct indicator of what's in our hearts. You can speak curses in your lives by the words you speak. And curse words, can I just say, are just that. It's a curse you are speaking over yourself. Who, 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 who wants to speak curses over themselves? Words matter. Words cost. But let me tell you something else. Words hurt. Has anybody ever been hurt by, by words? And there's hands that are probably going to go up all over this place. We've been hurt, and I could share story after story about how I've been hurt with words. And honestly, I could probably share stories where I've hurt others with my words. Because it's not always fair to just take one side of it. We have to look into the mirror and say, maybe I've caused hurt too. And you've probably had stories like that. And some of us think that the only way to cope with being hurt is to lash back at somebody else. And if you've ever been hurt by words, then, then why, why, why would we ever want to put somebody else through that pain? What's the old saying? Hurting people hurt people. When you're hurting inside, that's the only thing you know to do. But can I tell you, there's, there is a better way. There's something else that we can do. It's called lashing back, not in hate, but lashing back in love. To turn the other cheek. You shared some, 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 uh, something on social media that I loved. It's hard to be mad at somebody that you pray for. How often have, have we been upset with somebody and really gone back and looked at it and said, I really haven't prayed for that person much. Maybe that's why I'm upset with them. But it's impossible to be mad at somebody that you take to the Lord in prayer. So instead of lashing back, how about we lash back in love? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The only way to get rid, to guard the heart or hurtful words is to repent. You can cut the tree down, but it doesn't take care of the roots. Kill the root of the problem. Deal with the heart. Have you ever had somebody say something and then later say, again, will it just slip? It's the root of the heart. You know, David knew that he could sin with his tongue. And he took special steps to keep himself from that sin. 
He knew how serious God is about the damage and destruction the tongue can do. So guard it. I've always said, and I've preached it before, but there's three different types of um, people in this world. Ones who think before they speak. Ones who think while they speak. And those who think after they speak. I think it's safe to say there's one more, the people that just don't think. Let's be honest. Let's think before we speak. James chapter 3. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and itself is set on um, by, by, by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But watch this. No human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. You see, words don't go away. Words don't. I can forgive and I can move on. But there's a scar. Words don't go away. And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. So he can give us that power of forgiveness. I told the story about how I took a youth group many years ago to Alaska on a missions trip. And there is thousands and thousands of acres destroyed by, um, by, by, by these flames. And when we read the news or watched the news after it was all over and they began to get it under control, it was, it was really dry and somebody had left or had somebody had some wood fall off the, the, the back of their truck. It was real dry and it sparked and it caused the entire um, thousands and thousands of acres to be destroyed. Why? Because sometimes all it takes is a spark. You know what? Bad, bad words last. But can I say this too as I close? Good words last too. Good words last too. Take time to invest in people. Take time to heal. Use your words for good. See, a lot, a lot, a lot of us, and I used this acronym before, but we need to wait. We need to ask the question, why am I talking? And if we can answer that question, then we can, um, uh, we, we can um, better control what comes out of our mouth when we know the purpose of what we're trying to say. Why am I talking? Use words to speak life into people's lives. Stop bringing curses on yourself by being negative. Some of you have been hurt by words. Some of you have been hurt by actions. Some of you might have even been scarred of what others have said about you. Some might have even been the ones to say the hurtful things or show it through your actions. Some of us might be holding grudges because of what others have done. We need, as easy as it is to preach about, it's harder to do. But we've got to let go and allow God to bring healing in us. Because if we're ever going to build each other up with our words, then my heart has to be healed first. I want to share this as we close. You can come. I might have shared this before, but it's about the um, a former governor of, ten, of, um, of, of um, Tennessee, Ben Hooper. And this is how the story goes. There was a college teacher. He was on a vacation with his wife in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. 
One morning they were eating breakfast at this little restaurant, hoping to enjoy a quiet meal. And while they were waiting on their food, they noticed this distinguished-looking, white-haired man moving from table to table. He was visiting with guests, and the, and the teacher leaned over and whispered to his wife, I, I hope he doesn't come over here. Have you ever been sitting down in a restaurant and been like, I just want some quiet, private time. I hope nobody bothers me. Well, guess what he did? Sure enough, that man came and sat down right at their table. He said, where are you guys from? We're from Oklahoma. Great to have you here in the great state of Tennessee. What do you do for a living? Well, I actually teach at a college, he replied. Oh, so you teach preachers how to preach, do you? Well, I've got a really great story to tell you. And with that, the gentleman pulled up his chair and sat down at the table with this couple. And the teacher groaned and thought to himself, great, just what I need, another preacher story. The man started and he said, see those mountains over there pointing out the restaurant window? Not far from the base of that mountain, there was a boy born to an unwed mother. He had a hard time growing up because every place he went, he was always asked the same question. Hey boy, who's your daddy? Whether he was at school, in the grocery store, or the drugstore, people would ask the same question. Hey boy, who's your daddy? He would hide at recess and lunchtime from, from other kids. He would avoid going into stores because that question hurt him so bad. When he was about 12 years old, a new preacher came to town. He would always go in late and slip out early to avoid the question from the new guy. Hey son, who's your daddy? But one day the preacher said his closing prayer so fast that the boy didn't have time to get out and just about the time he got to the back door he said hey boy who's your daddy the whole church got deathly quiet he could feel every eye in the building looking at him now everybody would finally know the answer to who's your daddy this new preacher though sensed the situation around him and using the discernment that only the Holy Spirit can give, said to this scared little boy, wait a minute, he said, I know who you are. I see the resemblance now. You're a child of God. And he patted the boy on his back and said, son, you have a great inheritance, so go claim it. <laughs> With that, the boy smiled. For the first time in a long time and walked out the door a changed person he was never the same again when everybody asked him son who's your daddy i just tell him i'm a child of god and the distinguished gentleman got up from the table and said isn't that a great story and the teacher responded yes sir that was it was a great story and as the man turned to leave he said you know what if the preacher had never told me that I'd have never amounted to anything. As the couple completed their meal and was getting up from the table, they asked the waitress, do you know who that guy is 
They said, yes, sir. Everybody around here knows who he is. And he's a child of God. Let me tell you something. Your words matter. Your words matter. Guard the gate to your mouth. Had everybody continued to ask him this question that he didn't want to answer. He didn't know who his dad was. And he was embarrassed to even say it, to even admit it. But it took somebody realizing the situation and said, you know what? Instead of continuing this torment that you're putting yourself through, I'm going to take it upon myself and try to resolve the situation and speak life into a situation that that boy thought was dead. And I'm telling you, there are dead situations, maybe even inside this church, that with the right words spoken, we can revive it again and bring it back to life and see the power of God working in it again. Come on, somebody. There's power in your words. So as I pray today and as the band sings and Jew will come and close and we'll take offering. Can I say this? Guard your mouth. You will eat the fruit of your lips. And so if you struggle today, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand or come up to the altar. I simply just want you in your heart to acknowledge that maybe I struggle. And I've been in preacher, I want you to pray for me.